playing. The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Jack Newman. I'm Ben Howard. I'm Trevor Flynn. I'm Jenna Daggett. And I'm Peter Dancy. And that's a train in the background. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? I just there's I don't know that you guys could hear it, but there's like there's like a giant train that just started blaring outside my window. It'll pick no, up. No, I my can't hear. Are you sure it's not the aliens? I'm gonna go up in the spaceship with Amy Adams and we're gonna get mind fucked. It's the alien horns. Wait, that's all you're gonna do if you're in a spaceship with Amy Adams? I mean, I love that there's like there has to be some like crazy tentacle porn somewhere already based on this movie. Oh, you know it. It's the internet. Well, there is now. In Trevor's Please brain. Don't send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast, the Tuscan Shed Media Network's movie podcast premiere. That's the premiere movie podcast on the Tuscan Shed Media Network. Not sure what else we're premiere on, but I think we're pretty great. We're a podcasting company with a little heart and a lot of wine. Welcoming this week, Ben, Trevor, Jenna, and Peter. How you guys doing? Doing Psych well can be, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> This movie helped. Movie helped. It does. This it, I'm Ben. I have to give a thank you out front. I really wanted to see Billy Lynn. You talked me into this, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> You're um, so I have looking back at the it. reviews. I have issues with it, but uh, but uh, it, it was it's good to have science fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but first up, before we get into the movie, we're going to talk about our newest segment, which has only been going on for one week, and the one person I know that listens to this liked it, so we're going to keep doing Yay. it. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, nice Rob. <laughs> See, folks, this is how elections work. If you may be the silent majority out there, but if you don't have your voices heard, nothing will change. Politics. We're cutting out politics. Yeah, no one's ready for this. Politics Why is it because now that we've added trailer corner, there's the politics segment right before? I just have I to ruin to everything. I just want no I one to <laughs> get this and ourselves, please, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week we looked at um, something that uh, both makes me super excited and hurt at the same time. Mm, that's good. That's I cannot, accurate, actually. I cannot physically watch this trailer without being in pain, but both literally the heights of the most excited I've ever been for a movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, wow. Weird the, conundrum, I agree. This is the Ghost in the Shell trailer. It, it stars, I mean, starring Scarlett Johansson, and uh, it. I have some feelings about this. At moment to moment, they recreate shots from the existing Ghost in the Shell movie, which is, you know, kind of one of the biggest anime movies. Well, it is kind of the most, what would you say? I'd say FMA and Ghost in the Shell. And, well, I'd say, no, no, I'd say Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell are probably the most formative anime in the industry. What do you think, Trevor? Well, Ghost in the Shell is definitely um, the most intellectual. I don't really know about, or, or one of them. I mean, I, would I, say I don't know for, about how much formative. it's before yeah. intellectual honestly yeah. i mean it's definitely intellectual i mean one of the things that did bug me is like kind of the dialogue in the trailer knowing that you know a lot of the other a lot of the original show is in haiku form so <laughs> they're not gonna, i knew they weldn't going to stick to that but you know there we go mm-hmm. i mean what at least guys think i mean at least it's influential i would i would include akira in, in that list 
Yeah, uh, movies, movies versus well. TV, and and you have the movie. I guess you do. This is more based on the Ghost in the Shell movie to begin. Though there with, is so. seem to be uh, plots from I think the second season of Standalone Complex. Yeah, yeah, second definitely. Gig. Yeah, so the first season, they definitely that scene with the the geishas is literally from the first episode. Hmm. Um, so they will be using that, and that's definitely one on one. So they use the, the episode episode one where they have geishas that take over the thing, and they have to go in and kill the robot geishas, which is some of the freakiest looking things. Which again, that makes yes. me super hopeful yeah I, I watching like just, how f- I, go ahead i'll just go with my thing which is that i'm i'm not a huge ghost self fan more than just it's been a long time i saw the original film a long long time ago i wasn't sort of ready for it i just wanted my anime loud and dumb uh and it was so much more contemplative than that so i need to definitely give it a second watch uh, i will before this film comes out and i just didn't watch much of the shows so i'm really just more what going a- off of it as sort of its own uh, property and in that I, I do find it interesting because I think Rupert Sanders he's not like a genius or anything but I think he's an, a fairly interesting director and I, I think Snow White and the Huntsman for as kind of ridiculous as it is is at least visually much more interesting especially if you compare it with the terrible terrible sequel um, which is completely I mean, useless so I'm kind of glad he's back but I'm not saying that that means that it's going to be incredible it's just He's just an interesting director, and I'm kind of curious what this will mean for his career, and that's kind of what I'm looking at it for. Versus this is one of those anime. weird movies that I would be okay with Zack Snyder directing, and I know that sounds terrible. Wow. Um, but oh, no, I know I say that, and then like it would come out, and I'd hate myself for it. But <laughs> Zack Snyder reads <laughs> but things point... wrong, though. Like he, I saw a really interesting interview where he talked about right. Dark Knight uh, Returns. Zack Snyder he reads. Literally... <laughs> 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 oh my god! Yeah, wow. we're. We're gonna. We might cut that out so Ben doesn't have to, you know, get X-Nade out of certain industries. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ooh, that, was, that was that was bad. Yeah, I, I should mention that my, my former boss uh, is the assistant editor on Ghost in the Shell. So the assistant editing looks really fantastic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. The, the specific editing that you picked out of the trailer. Yeah, that was the, the assistant, assistant editing, editing looks really, really good. <laughs> Let's kiss ass a little bit harder, Ben. It's really impressive. She really. She really Really picked the best scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Tracy. Um, he <laughs> I mean, I think I think for me, like the cool thing about this is is twofold. As somebody who is kind of a super fan of Ghosts in the Shell, um, there's moments like you know with Aramaki, with Beat Takeshi playing Aramaki is pretty much the most like it's a thing I wanted and didn't know I wanted so bad (laughs) (laughs) right then you have the thing where he doesn't speak English so what is he gonna do what what's gonna what's that's gonna be and then also why is he emptying a revolver which is kind of contrary to Aramaki's general character he looks more like Togusa which is weird since Togusa is super old too and you know and they have bits where Bato doesn't have his eyes in and I was just like I don't know I don't know about this guys and then they have super weird dialogue lines. It's like, oh, you're one of a kind. And I was like, well, is she? I mean, she's just very highly cyberized. Like, I don't right. I don't know. I mean, I think that's the thing is, like, are they going to dumb down the sci-fi? Yes. Yeah. yes. Make it palatable. We, we all know the answer is yes. Immediately, yes. Of course they're going to. Immediately, yes. And so my question is, can I like this? Being as, like, the reason I like this show so much is not necessarily the sci-fi nature of it, but how contemplative, how quiet it was. How very much of this was, like, a police procedural in the past. And it was just, like, it was just a very high quality of police procedural. And that's kind of the thing. is like, you know, because the actual, like... 
the actual show like title is not in Japanese is not actually Ghost in the Shell. It's like uh, it's like Armored Police or something. <laughs> it's uh, mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. Trevor, do you remember it was? No, uh, I do not. I do not. Super know. Action Armor um, Ghost Squad, something like really weird like that. No, it's no. It was it was mobile mobile uh, armored Kokaku riot Kidotai, police, which is literally means mobile armed riot police. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where Ghost in the Shell is such a better title. <laughs> yes. More ominous. Yeah. No, I think, and I think that's the thing is, you know, there's so many storylines they could be playing from. They seem to be taking a bunch from. Seemingly a, a bunch of them, which kind of scares me too. Um, it's like they're doing a video game adaptation. Oh shit! <laughs> that is the nightmare. That but is the thing. The... Is uh, do we do we can we think of an anime to live action adaptation that we've ever seen that we liked? I mean, I haven't seen. Well, Japan sure as fuck can't do a good job at that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I can't. I mean, I honestly can't say I've really seen yeah, many good... like personally many anime to live action adaptations to begin with. So, Rurouni Kenshin. What is it? It's Rurouni Kenshin is pretty. Rurouni Kenshin. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. I can't. I forgot they. I forgot Rurouni Kenshin. I I forgot they. I forgot they adapted that one. It's pretty good because it's pretty much a very straightforward anime with like sword fighting, and they they don't they don't lean to, like uh, Japan has problems with CG as was seen in Shin Godzilla, um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but the issue is that you know because they made it very very literal, the sword fighting with just a little bit of CG it worked so much better. It was a pretty good story, and some of the fights were pretty fucking insane because they were master swordsmen instead of actors. <laughs> and see, normally in this situation, so. I would say look at the writers, but. Uh, as we'll mention with the rival, uh, the writer isn't someone who like would normally, quite frankly, inspire confidence in me. But I think he took a very interesting uh, source material that I've not read, but we'll talk about with the rival, and sort of did something interesting with it. And uh, the writers here also are not people I necessarily say inspire the most confidence in me. But they're the guy who wrote Straight Outta Compton and one of the writers of Street Kings. So it's like, yeah, I uh, don't know what to do. Uh, with so, that. so it could be it yeah, take the best elements that's a weird. Just try to transfer it into this movie. That's fine. If it's like a straight literal adaptation that's just been dumbed down, I can live with it. But like, I, I, it's very worrisome. And then there's image. Like, I'll enjoy the imagery no matter what because they're pulling yeah. imagery directly from the anime, and it's awesome. And you, and, if and they're and doing you, it shot out, for shot, is that really going to be worth seeing? Sorry, yes. Peter, I cut you off. Well, that's why yes, I think it will okay be. It will be worth seeing stuff from all of it, and they're doing sort of more of a super cut of Ghost of Shell. And then don't get me wrong, it could be terrible because that's what they try to do with um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it ruined that movie. Um, yeah, but. Well, it's I, at least like not the newest like, let's one, right? Do shot for shot. Why does this exist? Sort of thing. I sort of, I sort of like, I sort of really like that uh, Ghost in the sh- like that uh, Hitchhiker's Guide a little bit. I, I might disagree with you a little bit. I agree with what you're. Oh, it's terrible. With with. I don't. I disagree with that. I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's. No, I kind of um, liked it. I I used to like it more than I do now, but yeah. I still have a fondness yeah. for it, especially for uh, the fondness, performance. Fondness is a great way to put it. Trevor, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, we're cutting each other off. It's just going to happen, especially it's over okay. this trailer. <laughs> let's move on, guys. It's, uh, 12 minutes in, so let's go ahead and move on to a rival synopsis. Linguistic professor Louise Banks, Amy played by Amy Adams, leads an elite team of investigators when gigantic spaceships touch down in 12 locations around the world as nations teeter on the verge of global war. Banks and her crew must race against time to find a way to communicate with the extraterrestrial visitors, hoping to unravel the mystery. She takes a chance. Okay, wow, I just fucked that up. Hoping to unravel the mystery, she takes a chance and that could threaten her life and quite possibly all of mankind. Oh. Boy, that's uh. You made it so. Yeah. 
going, Peter. You made it sound like there was so much more shooting <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. death yeah. Like, yeah. and, and like action-packed scenes in this film. I'm starting to wonder if I fell asleep in the middle of the movie. Or <laughs> it's like, did I pass out somehow? Tom Cruise did I miss comes five charging minutes? into the alien aircraft. Yeah. He's like, oh, we're going to kill some aliens. Will Smith turns into someone impossible, impossible to fly on the surf. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Oh my god, I love well, it. I need to I'm gonna splice that clip in there. <laughs> Just like. Well I I guess to start one of the reasons Go I ahead, really Finn. enjoyed this film is it is not a, like <laughs> the synopsis it's not anything necessarily wrong with your synopsis. It is just the very Hollywood version of the synopsis, which I'm sure is on all the press releases and stuff to make. People oh, this think is this is, this is the press oh, yeah. release. That's exactly. why. That's yeah. why it sounds. Yeah. Like it sounds yeah. like a press release. Yeah. Uh, a version I've been of pulling it. the press release this, synopsis, this and that's why I'm like very unhappy. Like part of me wants to go back to like Wikipedia synopses, even though they're not as correct. But like every time I read a press synopsis, I'm just like, God, whoever writes these is like. Literally, like, had a lobotomy or something. Oh, oh, if you want to see the (laughs) worst press release of all time, look at the Emoji Movie press release, which is written mostly in Emoji. And it is it makes you want to kill yourself. And that's kind of it's that's kind of genius on a level. I'm looking this I mean, up. It, it, they try. They're embracing it at the very least. I can appreciate that. Um, but what what I love about this film is that just to start with that it is uh, a really interesting take on an alien invasion film from a very realistic standard. I love the fact that it's so focused on linguistics that, you know, our our characters are linguistics and we spend long, long sequences of just explaining linguistics and explaining their language and talking about why language is so difficult to deal with and there's this really great sequence where she basically says, "Okay, you want to the main question you want me to ask is uh, what is your purpose here? Well, first off, we have to know if they understand what a question is. Then we have to understand if they understand what purpose means and what what means. And it's this very, very detail-oriented film, which I really appreciate <laughs> so much because I feel I feel like there was a writer in the writers' room who was just like specifically did this form of like grammatical like um, like logic logic like grammatical proofs in college like I, it like took me back to like some of my like high school philosophy con- classes when we were doing Ludwig Wittgenstein and like the structure of grammar as a whole I was like somebody had like done this at a class and was like damn if I'm not going to get my fucking university uh, <laughs> my university fee I'm just, bitch I'm, I'm going to use this education <laughs> so that's exactly what I thought about like exactly what you just said like i'm actually going to use what i learned in school and apply it to a movie that you know mainstream audiences are going to see um with that being said i really did enjoy the like very academic nerdy side to it because there was a lot of like truth in how they were approaching linguistics and also how to like learn a language and then what happens when you do like create a full mastery of the language yeah especially like especially as i think that's the thing is like i'm not as big a fan as the twist overall uh, i kind of lost the it a little bit i think there's a what i love the twist i know you do i mean I'm, for me the big diff the big issue with this movie is that it creates such a great uh, underlying thematic uh structure and then the twist feels kind of separated from it kind of saying like look how clever we are whereas like the, the like the the issue of communication like seeing amy adams run to like solve communication and just like a strictly speaking communication like i would have I would have been down for that movie as well. It didn't, for me, like the whole point is it, it didn't need a twist and more so the p- twist kind of takes the movie off message. And that's not a, that's not a big criticism. I love this movie, but I do think that, that, that kind of like when it kind of started bringing in time travel and, and as well done as it is, cause it is done. And the fact that that's some high level, co- like sci-fi concept shit 
for them mm-hmm. to pull off in this movie. Um, again, this is a spoiler cast. Yeah, I'm so happy we get to do a spoiler cast for this very reason because it would suck to talk about this movie without spoilers. Because oh, it's, it, it's, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible. so hard. Uh, so, so I'll just quickly say this: the twist is that uh, at the beginning of the film, we see uh, Amy Adams uh, has a daughter who dies of cancer very young, like her. She's like 13. Her husband isn't around. Uh, and then follow her. We see like sort of flashes of her child, and then eventually it's revealed that she hasn't even had this child yet. That she's seen the vision of the future, and that the alien language allows you to see sort of a non-linear fashion. And she uses this ability to sort of solve the problems, and uh, and eventually have to sort of deal with this horrible loss of knowing that when she agrees to have a child, she's dooming it to die of cancer eventually. Uh, I I love the twist, and I think it does work in the film because I think so much of the film. Uh, is about communication and the way communication is often the key to peace and the way communication is one of the most powerful tools that humanity has ever created and that's where i think it is absolutely equally in part with the storyline because i think we define our story when this film used to be called the story of your life it is the name of the original book I think it's a better title. I get why they called it Arrival. <laughs> you know, it's Story for Life sounds yeah, like yeah. a Hallmark that's movie. Kind of, I get a, that, but the stupid movie title. I think it's a great yeah, title no, I, for yeah. what the movie is. You know what I mean? In that, it's a bad title for marketing. I agree, but it is a good title in terms of a book. You know, basically. Um, and I think what works so well about it is the way you tell your story and the way you tell and how you define who you are as a human and how this sort of changes the very nature of humanity in the way we most frequently figure out who we are as people which is communication so to me that made it the twist just as much in line I, I, with see, the rest of the I see i'd like to jump in here because i yeah. i see where both of you are coming from um i do think it is a genius twist in that uh to, to sum it up for me ben it's not even it's just very specific in terms of for a movie about language it takes our assumptions about the language of film that we've assumed that yes. these, are, these are flashbacks, uh, and in your in your summary, you were damn. you were very careful to say we see we see flashes of uh, of Amy Adams with her with her child, not flashbacks. Yes, flashbacks. Um, because yeah. we yeah we do assume that they are flashbacks out of hand, and it's never actually, you know, and and we even have a, a framing device, literally a framing device of her just balcony for some reason, where she says, you know, I used to think this is where your story began, you know, cluing us into that. And then still our assumptions about the language of film lead us into this pattern where we assume and that and, and yes. that parallels the theme of the movie so well. On the other hand, I do also see where Jack's coming from where I had kind of the same feeling where um, I think partly for me it was uh, <laughs> just in the context of the uh, the week we've had that um, all yeah. of the, uh, the fear-mongering around the, you know, when the none of the nations want to trust each other they they are too they want to make sure you know the military side of it wants to make sure that the aliens don't learn more about us than we do about them and the moment where all of the world all of the screens go dark because people are refusing to communicate with each other was so powerful for me and was the pinnacle of that kind of underlying sort of nationalistic you know fearful um tone of the movie and i think that the twist did kind of take focus from that theme right and right. played it back more onto you know like communication i think they are intertwined but for me the twist kind of yeah took away the focus from it, that 
for me, the whole bit is just that, and I, I see where you're coming from. Ben. I know I read, I like, I haven't read the book, but I know enough of the plot line to know that this is an adaptation. I think that it makes it makes maybe one like it makes an element that was just kind of probably, and this is just a supposition because I, again, I haven't read the book. It makes an element that's just leading up to the whole the, the more important story of how you tell your story. But for me, it made it the the international politics of it such a more powerful plot line, and was and and it is I guess maybe maybe and it could just be you know like Trump just got elected and I'm kind of still in shock so maybe I am reaching for international politics, and you know and like international tensions is just this. Well, kind no, of but it's there. She literally has the line, "Mom, I told you not to watch that news station. Those people right. are idiots." <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. there is an uncomfortable kind of <laughs> in, in, yeah. in my fear. I think I think it does. I think this movie sets up different thematic themes than the one that it finishes with better. And I think that's the issue is because that core thematic theme running through with communication is on the surface level so 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 good that the final one does seem to be some sort of like a bit of a sequence break for me. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like the two are connected, yeah. but I just haven't figured out how yet. And at the same time, I haven't I haven't actually wanted to think about this movie that much as contemplative as it was. I haven't really. Um, continue to think about it that much, to be honest. I mean, I loved it at the time, but I think I did just latch on to those, to that, to what it was setting I, up, kind of like I think, you said. I think this is me being super nitpicky, though. Like, I'm still going to give it a good score. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, yeah, like, no. It needs, yeah. like, one or two more, like, bits of connective tissue between the final thesis and what happens. And I think that the point that the filmmakers probably ran into and the reason they didn't do it is because it might ruin the existing twist, which 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 is the other thing is like I don't want it to be presented as a twist. I don't I don't want a twist like you know feel on like the strength of your narrative journey and don't like present things as a twist to shock me because the point isn't to shock me. The point is to make me feel something and understand something. And this movie was so contemplative, the nature of having a twist at all seemed See, kind I don't of think it, a little it bit silly to like me. an M Night Shyamalan twist because if you go back at something like Sixth Sense, which I think is still good. The funny thing about the twist is like the movie's already over. <laughs> like granted, it doesn't solve the Bruce Willis storyline, but basically the most key important storyline, which is the Haley Joel Osment storyline, is over. And then they're like, oh, and he's a ghost. Um, so they just throw that in <laughs> at the end. Uh, the thing about this film that I really appreciated is it wasn't sort of uh, and I do agree, someone had a good point, someone online said that uh, if you're not sort of keyed in at the right moments, and that's unfortunate, you know, because if you if you figure it out afterwards, it probably doesn't play as well as you figure out during, which is fair. Um, but I think yeah, well, what I uh, what I love about this film is it wasn't sort of this what you know. It was more a, a slowly mm-hmm. evolving, creative, clever distillation of the idea throughout, and I felt like it was always so inherently part of the way that the aliens communicated which is what appreciated so much i think if it wasn't if their language wasn't so circular if their actions weren't so circular if the way they thought wasn't so circular if it didn't have this sort of constant rhythm of repetition and the way that uh we go off cliffs in our sort of dialogue and they create circles you know i think if it wasn't so good at that it wouldn't have functioned right and because of that, I don't think it has that sort of usual suspects Fight Club as twists. I think it is more of a reveal than a twist in a sense. Where I don't think it was just mm-hmm. like a we're stopping the movie dead. I think it is. That's why to me it all functions as part of the same whole because we're grounding it in her story. 
What I appreciate of this movie, I love the fact that they call it a weapon because to me, the reason they call it a weapon isn't from a miscommunication. I think it's because the aliens know that this power is inherently dangerous and hard to deal with and that there isn't sort of a word for them, us and humanity, for a tool that isn't sort of destructive, that is both horrible and devastating in a sense, but isn't also destructive and kills people, you know? And so... I think that's why right. they said the weapon because it does give you these horrible consequences of knowing your entire life uh, before you have the ability to even live it. It reminded me. It, it reminded me of a, of, of a Bible verse. Actually, it, it, to, to take what you just said, Ben, and, all, and also to go back to uh, to, what, to what you said about um, what you said earlier about about uh, about getting about getting 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 to like a point of peace through communication. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Uh, the tongue, life, death, and life are in the power of the tongue. Hmm. And how and, and and how and, yeah and, Sorry, and how I didn't mean, I didn't mean to. that was that was an actual yeah it was, wasn't no 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 it sounded very like snotty no 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 I no I totally I totally I totally understood I totally understood it, I totally understood it. And, and 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 how and, and how like they they literally called like words language talking as a weapon because it's like like what because it's like whether you are talking what wh- whether you are talking and and depending on what you're saying or if you're not talking and what you aren't saying can be both life-giving as as we found out or very dangerous as it as it almost turned out to be so i really like that point um just based on and like this is where i get very nerdy but based on like what i study i study how words like affect conflict and affect peace building and i think that's something that's really powerful is that this film actually looked at like the effect that words can have and i really liked your point ben about words as a weapon um i kind of disagree though i don't think there has to be a word for another word for it like words are weapons um both both good weapons and bad weapons but i really do like um to what you had said, Trevor, about like the the international politics side of things, and that like the aliens literally wanted us, like everyone had to work together. That's what would solve the problem. And instead, you just see one screen after another go black. Um, and I think that's really like a powerful message, not only based on the past week, um, but also just in general, when we hit these points of where diplomacy fails, like we don't want to help each other. We want to keep our cards to our chest so that no one else can know what we know. Um, but instead, the opposite side is like the power that can come through unity and the power that can come from working together to solve a, a bigger issue. Um, so I really I really liked that part of the film, both like the subtle international side of it and also just communication and what kind of power communication itself can have. Um, I think that the twist too was really interesting because I, like I realized it. And once I realized it, I could feel like my mind and this sounds so corny, but I could feel my mind just like opening up, like, Whoa, like what does that impact? And what have we seen that actually happened and what's in the future? And I thought that was really cool. Um, just because not a lot of movies really make me think, I mean, most of the time I can kind of go brain dead and still understand what's going on, but this one was so powerful, like for a cognitive aspect. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, definitely I was high that, concept like, sci-fi. Like the... This is Sorry, yeah, to go... go ahead, Trevor. Trevor. No, no, that's all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> to go off with what uh, Jenna said, the, the details in this film are what uh, I love, and uh, and what you said about you know two, uh, words can be a weapon. Uh, someone pointed out that uh, the Russians were told that uh, there is no time, 
and that they assumed that that meant there is no time we're about to attack. But what they literally mean right. is the aliens have no concept of time, that there is no such thing really to them as time in a very, very toned down, very uh, literal sense, you know. Uh, and again, so so the things I love about the film and the way it sort of we it is so easy that a single word can set off an entire nation against uh, their better interests just because of the reasons. And I also just appreciate that for for the fact that no one is really a villain. There is no sort of it could so easily have you know that terrible evil colonel, which is again the one thing I dislike, which is the I think they did their intentions were good but the whole bombing thing just wasn't played well but uh i like the fact that there wasn't sort of an overall evil colonel that they were always fighting against and had to stop for something like everyone was trying to do their job uh force whitaker has a good scene where she's he's like listen every time i go to meet with these generals they ask me the same thing before and after is this bad for us you know is does this mean an attack you have to understand that that's what i'm dealing with day after day after day after day and i think the film did a really good job of saying like what does it mean when we're all scared which is again a very interesting thing where you know again coming off the, this week and if people are wondering what we're talking about uh this was uh, the week that it was announced that the macbook pro uh, will no longer have usb ports <laughs> and we don't know how to deal with this <laughs> and as professionals i don't know how to oh do the macbook in the future and so i have a i have a fun oh story about the macbook pro yeah. so doctors already have this piece of shit and and I've had two grand rounds, and what I do at grand rounds is that I, I run like the tech for it. So every week, like there's like you know there's like a you know there's like two hundred doctors and a, and a, and like they get together at six a.m. and they give like and they have a speaker come from around around the world and they give a very you know studious presentation. It's all like hum hum ho ha. We wear ties to it, that kind of thing. And they show up and they and they ask me to like hook up this laptop and it's this ancient theater that only has like a VGA output. Motherfucker. Adapting old style like direct current VGAs to fucking these new MacBooks, I had to create like a Christmas tree of fucking dongles (laughs) that just doesn't that just doesn't work. And if you just tweak it, it goes nuts. So there's 200 and like there's like 200 doctors in white lab coats, and they're all like, oh, sorry, I really shouldn't say that. They're all I know that's the thing. It's like I don't care what's happening. I don't care that Macs are a bunch of jackholes. Like it's your fault. <laughs> Christmas tree of fucking dongles. Sorry. All the dongles. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, but okay, I, I think <laughs> overarchingly in this movie, and again, communication. Yeah. You know, somebody should have communicated to Apple. Don't have dongles. I have but a- I think I think I th- I, st- <laughs> I stand by my only criticism of this movie, recognizing that it is my only criticism, and that I do think that there's like. I think the reveal overall is weaker to the first part of it. And I think that's just what I'm going to say. I understand. I don't think it doesn't not work. I never said it didn't work. I think the reveal is really massively well done and put together. I think that all of it's well put together, and I think it's well constructed, and I think that it has a core underlying point that you can tease out. I do think that it is just weaker than the opening parts of it, and I think that it kind of drops off a little bit for me, especially kind of with the phone call uh, to the to the general. I was kind of like, I guess that's how you'd fix it, but... But I, I like that's kind of it was very anticlimactic. Was it kind of a Doctor Who paradox for you? It, it was a little bit. I mean, especially like the time travel mechanics. I mean, they're they're well done and it's well explained. And I, I you know, if I'm gonna nitpick 
these time travel. I don't know that it was well explained. I, I think this is where one of those time travel paradoxes where you just kind of accept that time isn't real, and that's the explanation you get. Is that yeah, it, it uh, challenges your own assumptions about time philosophically, rather than you know getting into the sci- the science fiction. As, and as far as you know theoretical physics and whatnot. right because then you have to think like oh he's always so, told her that you know he had her number and what his wife said to him oh by the way just just to quickly say i do have the translation for what she said if you guys are interested oh yeah uh yeah. what is it her dying words were war does not make winners only widows and so i think it was sort of a thing for shang to remember that uh that he sort of lost his way uh and was sort of too concerned about his 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 country's safety uh, and not safety in the humanity. I wondered a lot about how significant that line actually was, whether it would be something personal or something more profound like that. And I did think it was interesting to see that the writer supposedly went through like 50 drafts and did not want to pick a sentence to give to her because he knew he had to be something specific. And it had to be something unique. It was very strong. It was very strong. And they did the exact right thing, putting it in a different language because then you're just like, in the moment, it works so much better. You go up and look at later and you're like, you think about it, but that's when you want to think about something in the moment, you want to be like oh what does that mean yeah. oh my god right. and, it doesn't and matter that, that works so much more powerfully that. than that actual statement yeah and the it works so much more powerfully than that actual statement yeah let me let me say it stop cutting me off everyone stop cutting me off go ahead Jenna. i i don't think it mattered what she what she said honestly i think it was just like the power of like of reminding him of his own humanity like his wife his dying wife's words i don't i don't think it, it could have just been like i love you and it still would have been powerful and just like bringing him back to to like the human element, you know? Um, I also, okay, and this is like me being a smart ass, but when she was making the call to, <laughs> no, it really is. Um, <laughs> Sorry, when she was making the call to the general, my like inner smart ass critic kept hoping that her future husband was going to get shot because then it would like completely break the time continuum. Oh my and, God. Yeah, like that's all I could think was like, please let this happen because it's going to have this like huge plot twist that no one could have seen coming. Um, the final point I'll make to your to what you had been saying, Jack, is the opening sequence was beautiful though. Like I was feeling like tears welling up in my eyes already because it, it was like, I really liked how it was shot. Like it was very, it definitely hit me in the emotions. Which is, it was I like getting the, the opening of Up in three minutes yeah, flat. Exactly. Yeah. You're not the only one who said that. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's my bit is that like the issue is like this con like a lot of this too has to do with kind of my own philosophical views on the issue. Like the movie goes from kind of this how like it, it's a very like Hideki Anno thing. How do we communicate with others? And it goes more internally in terms of like looking about how she expresses her own life. And I think that's the weird thing for me is like, is, is her solving the issue by recognizing something about herself. And I, and I really enjoyed kind of the separate theme of like how we communicate to others. And I still see them as separate in my mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I really do want us to come up with a thesis of how the two are related. To I to really me, need I think that. It's about well, yeah. I, and I think I, the fact that each country and each person has their own narrative and their own story and their own sense of what does it mean to be Chinese and what does it mean to be Russian and what does it mean that when the the life that you are living is interrupted by the presence of aliens that you do not understand and it does not explain itself and it does not give easy answers and does not define your narrative for you um, 
I think that's sort of to me why the two are linked because it is this more ground level thing of her own life and her own story and her, and the consequences of that future and the future that all humans in a sense who will learn this language which is presumably everyone I believe um, have to deal with as well you know I think that's to me why they're linked in that the entire but how film does is about narrative. time come into that well because time is how you define narrative you define your story as a beginning a middle and an end but to her now everything is a middle you know there is no beginning and there is no end you know right but why couldn't you have like the endless story of china or the endless story of you know what, because it whatever was no story, i get what he's saying it. like it's he's both. it being in the middle of your story and having knowledge of what's coming gives her kind of a different perspective on her child that's going to live. You know, the child will live as opposed to the child will die. It's like, you know, in past tense, we view things differently as opposed to viewing life as a circle. It's yeah. a much more positive way of looking at life overall. No, I get the core theme. I'm not disagreeing with the movie's message or the core <laughs> initial theme. I'm disagreeing with the switch to it. It feels like a switch to me. Right, but to and me, I think I, it's I also think powerful. I think I think both movies are very powerful, and both themes are very powerful. I think going through them and, and like processing them. Sorry, you were going to say something, Ben. What was it? Well, and I think it's why reminding him of his wife's uh, last words is very important because if he lived his life non-linear, non-linearly, he would always know what his wife's last words were and not forget them over time. And he would always be experiencing her death and her life and her memory and her death and living without her not living without her and it, it is this sort of idea that when you view time linearly you necessarily make assumptions about things and you necessarily have to make up your own narrative that sort of defines that because it's hard to deal with the fact that things go away and people die and they're no longer in your life and you can never see them again so you have to have these it can be self-serving in a way and short-sighted exactly exactly because yeah okay see that's what i needed yeah that makes sense and to me, I All think right. that the narrative of We're, people like in these countries is very short-sighted because they have to say, well, we have to kill this Russian soldier because if his information gets out, then everyone could have information and then our future's done and it's not viewing the bigger picture in a sense. Right. And I think the okay. whole thing's about So let's go ahead and score this bitch. <laughs> Sorry, apologies. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and start with you, Trevor. I'm very curious. I'm going to throw you under the bus first. Uh, I'll give it a... <laughs> Sorry. Well... Um, I gave Doctor Strange an eight, which was about time, and uh, <laughs> this, yeah, this movie makes it look yeah as superficially deep as superficially deep as I kind of thought Strange was. Uh, I gave it an eight, so uh, uh, yeah, this astounded me. I mean, I had a great experience watching it. Um, Amy Adams was magnificent. Y'all, no, we haven't she said was. that yet, but this, holy crap. This is, yeah, this is going a long Oscar. way towards making up for Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Yes, that's true. She's fine. She, if, for, I'll say this much. If Amy Adams doesn't win an Oscar this year, can we all agree that she can be the next Leo never wins meme? Because she's lost five <laughs> fucking times. Like, good Lord, give Amy Adams a goddamn it's, wait, it's I didn't that, know it's that. It's been that many? Seriously? Lost five times. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and she might be nominated for two films this year. Like, Amy Adams, she's the best. I mean, I, I hate to say this, Ben. She does not have the filmography that Leo does is the issue here. Oh, she not has yet. a better filmography than Leo. Fuck Leo's yeah, filmography. Yeah, I mean, Leo Leo has, like, and that's the other thing. He, he was a kid, and that's the thing. It's, like, the breadth of his pretty good films when he was young, going from teen heartthrob to, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio 
and like social justice warrior been in it's kind of it's kind of just like that's the funny <laughs> thing about it I, I don't i don't think she's gonna be the next one version of that but i agree she should wins for something because i think that's the thing is like having only watched her in superman recently i forgot that she was a fucking kick-ass kick-ass actress i need to watch more movies <laughs> i need to watch Rainy <laughs> But I understand. She, I, well, I she shows up in crap sometimes, like Julie and Julia. So. Yeah. Well, everyone does. Everyone does. Like, everyone Except for Danny Day Lewis, picks crap every once in a while. There can only be one Danny Day Lewis. So. <laughs> <laughs> be that Julie. Uh, Trevor, what was your score? Nine out of ten. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> Peter, you're up next. Okay, this is kind of funny. I'm just gonna, well, once again, it's going to be like a half step below <laughs> Trevor, 8.5. <laughs> Why sorry. are you turning me into the optimist? I'm sorry. I was going to say, say 8.5 before you said 9. I was just like, damn it, again? I can't do this. <laughs> bring yeah. it up. Okay, you know what? You, you know what? Actually, yeah, take, bring it up to a 9. I That movie was fucking fantastic. I loved it. Oh, man. Jesus. <laughs> okay, Ben, you're up. Uh, no, let's go. Yeah, Ben, your turn. Yeah, solid six. No, I mean it's. Uh... Oh my God. <laughs> ben, after, after ben, I'm sorry, Ben. After after us talking, after I saw the movie, if mad. you gave it a six, I would like literally fly out to L.A. and punch you in the throat. Trevor's been talking in about it. In the throat the too. I love uh, that yeah. it's not the flight that matters; it's the throat punch that's really that vicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do have to save tens for just the best of the best. So I can't I can't go that high, but I will give it a nine. Uh, it is it's just an incredible film. I I really appreciate it a lot. I mean. Uh, Denis Villeneuve is a director who I, I like a lot, but it, even though people seem to just go gaga for his films, like uh, I wasn't, uh, I was kind of disappointed in Prisoners and Enemy and Sicario, but this one is. You were disappointed in Prisoners? Yeah, I thought the last third of Prisoners was terrible. Uh, oh, dude, Prisoners this Prisoners is a way better movie than this. Uh, I thought the new Prisoners sucks. Prisoners has such a great, such a such a great lead, such a great lead, and it ruins all. I mean, like just from like a construction plot. Ah, uh, let's not do this. this okay, is, guys. That's a, <laughs> for, for it's a big yeah, can of worms. Yeah, uh, Jenna, you're up next. Um, but uh, it, it's just a great film. Oh. I really appreciate the story. I really appreciate all the acting. is really good. I really like Jeremy Renner, which is really surprising. I haven't seen. That's a guy who I forgot was, was a really good actor uh, in the right roles. Um, and, okay. uh, and, uh, Jenna, you're up next. Yeah, great. Nine. You're getting cut off. <laughs> I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play the Oscar music. Sorry, just want to thank my family. Okay, please. <laughs> please thank somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, go, let's go ahead, Ben. I'm not cutting you off. What's up? Oh, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just I, I'm really excited for Blade Runner 2049 now, and I kind of wish Roger Deakins shot it. I like the filmography a lot, but Roger Deakins, I just wish he was in the best Denis Villeneuve film because he's shot the other ones and he's so good at it. All right, that's it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think not to be offensive, like I can, I can feel his absence. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty. I think that, and I think that's a bigger, it's a bigger selling point for me sometimes in cinema. Definitely, I think that it's just kind of an, it's kind of an issue for me a little bit. Um, but Jenna, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yep, there you go. You put it in it. Um, so I'm going to say an eight point five. I, I'm actually really happy that you guys decide to film this one. Um, or record this one because I hadn't heard of the movie at all and I ended up loving it and I never would have seen it if it wasn't for this podcast um so I was really excited about that but I I did think there were a couple like loose ends that weren't tied up um and I was kind of frustrated by that but overall I just like I loved how intellectual it was and I loved that I I really made me think but it was also like visually stunning and things like that so I really enjoyed it yes to all of that 
And that's, 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 that's basically what I wanted to say, but <laughs> I like, I, 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 I summarized all, I summarized all up into word into two words, fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Which are an excellent two words. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I'm going to be the bummer here, but I'm being the bummer here dun, mostly dun, because dun. of my weird uh, scoring system. So I'm going to give it a 7.5, which I would like to say I'm kind of with Trevor on the same thing. Trevor gave Doctor Strange an 8, and I gave it a 7, so I'm doing exactly the same thing and bumping it just above Doctor Strange. Um, I don't really give 9s or 10s very, very... I don't think I've given a 9. Have I given a 9? Not that I, I can I remember. I think I gave a 9 to... My dinner you did Andre. to Andre, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's that's because Andre is pretty personal for me. It has, it's not really a, that's not an honest score. It's more like to do with like it at the point in my life when I watch that, um, mystery. Um, yeah. but the, <laughs> we all know this network is like a movie I always overrate for what it meant for me. So we all know. Yeah, I know. There's 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 stuff that like I will come back in here and say like, oh my god. I go back and look at my some of my scores for other movies and I go, oh god damn it, Jack. <laughs> you talked yourself into a corner but yeah 7.5 i really 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 love this movie i think it's good i think it's got some third act faults uh which prisoners do not have but uh then you know, <laughs> just had to go it. there i did i did i am salty plus i won the bet today so i get to be super salty at the end oh my <laughs> god <laughs> Yeah. All right. Anyways, next week bet. So we're going to go ahead and structure our bet for next week. What will the opening weekend domestic box office take for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them be? Go ahead and send me your answers via the chat. Done. Do you have a quote for us on what um, what the last gross was for, for the last Harry Potter movie or anything? Ah, shit. Two seconds. Oh, wait. I think I have it. Um, I think it was opening weekend. It was... 169 million. Remember that was last the one, one beforehand was 120, and then yeah. the other ones were pretty steadily around 90. Yeah. What 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 time what time of the year were they? What times of the year like like were they generally? It's like a lot of some July and some November. Summer and November. Yeah, yeah, because they switched it up because they they kind of huh. realized they didn't initially think it would be like the phenomenon movie going thing that it was, and then yeah. it grew. It, Harry Potter grew exponentially over its lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. People like didn't it went how from much the, it uh, went from like because like the first one what was it the first one and I feel the Sorcerer's Stone was ninety million out the gate and then Half Blood Prince was like seventy seven or something on opening weekend and then um, Deathly Hallows went up like it almost doubled in the course of its lifetime into something that was you know absolutely insane again remember this is domestic for the first week all right we're gonna start revealing scores I only have Peters. Everyone else send your thing, and I, I had to say, send. Uh, I had to send you mine ver- via SMS uh, oh, message. Gotcha. Sorry. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. So. Okay, Jack, don't read mine. and change it to that. I'm. Yeah, change it to that. Cool. No one else is. I got it. I got it. All right. So. Cool. Mine is 120 million. Ah. <laughs> Oh my god, I heard myself on someone's mic. That's great. Uh, oh my god. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh my god, now. I like your shock. 
<laughs> I'm filling in. So I gave 120 million. Jenna said 104 million. Did uh, I lowball this out of the, like? Out ben of the said 85 million. So no, you think <laughs> both of you guys think that it's gonna come in lower than uh, than what the I I think we're hungry for it. That's my bit. My take is that I feel like we're hungry uh, for a Harry Potter movie, and I think that. Um, I really, Trevor. Just tell me what your score was because I don't have my phone near me. <laughs> two hundred, two hundred million. Oh my god! <laughs> Why not? Go crazy. Go big I mean, or go Trevor's home. got a point because, like, the way that people numbers, go and attend movies, yeah. movie attendance is going up, and like yeah. the actual gross domestic weekend grosses have gone up. Well, look like at, that's the thing is like, uh, look at Jurassic World. like double predictions. Exactly. So Even maybe being Thanksgiving too. Because mm-hmm, maybe it's not necessarily that Harry Potter went up overarchingly, but also, um, you know, it's at it's it's like grown with the times since I, it's been like seven years me, of movies. I think it's just the name. I think the fact that the name is not in it, it's not Harry Potter's somehow. Like obviously you couldn't fit it in, but like if it had the word Harry Potter in it, I think you're looking at forty million mo opening. I think the name is gonna make enough people just not figure it out. You know. That's uh, Eddie Redmayne. Think, Everybody loves I Eddie Redmayne right. now. Yeah. The Jupiter sending was such I think a hit. They got, I think they got a pretty good. <laughs> I think that you know they're slapping. They're pretty good about slapping. No, the JK, JK Rowling's Rowling everywhere. That's everywhere. true. Yeah. And so we'll doing see. A bad I, mean, I think it's, it's getting really, that Harry, po- it's as and getting that Harry Potter do. theme in there too. And especially with polls and like the way things are going, like more so ever, like more so now than ever before. I have no idea where things are gonna go. No, I don't know about polls ever. Like, cause like honestly, anyone could take this away. Like Peter's low end at seventy million, Trevor's high end at hundred two hundred million. I did not think anyone was gonna was gonna highball me at hundred twenty. <laughs> I thought I was the high. I was like, I like being the highball, and Trevor's like, nope, fuck. Off, He's like, no, I'm gonna blow you out of the water. Congratulations, you tried. <laughs> All right. So the bet for last week was what would the opening weekend domestic gross for Arrival as projected by Box Office Mojo? They again. I said twenty-five million. Trevor said seventy-five million. Actually, you know, I should shut up because I was me and Ben were the low ball. Ben took twenty million. I took twenty-five million. Peter was at sixty-five million, and Trevor was at seventy-five million. Okay. I may w- I ask a question? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So. Last week when we were recording and we were and we were sending you our bets, you made the comment. You were like, I, you, you, you said some, you said something along the lines of like, I almost feel like I'm cheating because I, because after talking with Ben earlier, I feel like I kind of know where this is gonna go anyway. What were you referring to? We had talked uh, a little bit about it. Like we were pretty close together, and we had talked about some of the other things. And I, uh-huh. I felt like I had gotten kind of a different step. Like I had, I, I hadn't like we hadn't. Ch- locked bets in at that point so i wasn't oh no 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 no. but i did feel like ben tipped me off and now i scooped ben by just being (laughs) just above him yeah the the, i think the positive (laughs) reviews made it go up more than uh it was tracking so uh i i still think 20 million was a better bet overall ben Uh, it it was a good bet for the time and i think the the reviews were so good that enough people were like shit 100 percent. i gotta go see that no i think (laughs) i think i think the i think getting a nine on rotten tomatoes and i mean like like 90 percent on rotten tomatoes is probably pushed in another four so i think that's i i i I was there i I mean i'm probably a better bet would have been 30 million but then you would have won so what do you know (laughs) cool all right so everyone shut the fuck up it is time for jack to talk and i want to talk about last week when we had this issue where Ben got upset about the Wonder Woman music and the jangly guitars. Oh. Ben, yeah. 
one of the things I gotta tell you is I understand where you're coming from. I, I, I really do. I really do, buddy. Mm-hmm. I understand that like it's kind of action movie cliche that it's not a really great moment. It's not really depictive of the character to have these that style of music and that jangly guitar kind of crack on in. But I want to go in defense of that moment as the best moment in that uh, Batman v Superman movie and kind of a great introduction to Woman, Wonder Woman, period. You see, we're not building the classic Wonder Woman here, man. We're not building the classic Wonder Woman that started as a be- as a man's BDSM female empowerment fan. Well, it wasn't female empowerment because she just liked to tie people up, specifically other women. Um, strong lesbianist vibes. and it, It's a very classical Wonder Woman is a very different character. Which, I mean, she's evolved over the years as we move through comics, and it's kind of kind of come to more of a detente in terms of that. But, again, it's still not a wonderful, great character. So, of all characters that we want to see kind of upgraded into the 20th century in the cinematic universe, Wonder Woman's up there. And I think one of the interesting things about doing this thing, and one of the things, the reasons that I like the jangly guitar thing, is that we're going for a different style of hero here, and I think that's the, the great thing about this. Why is it that you, you kind of say that it's a cliche to see in movies like, you know, when you know Tom Cruise comes on screen and there's jangly guitars in a, in a Mission Impossible movie and he speeds around a, like a, on a motorbike? It's a very easy moment, is what you said initially, that it's an easy moment to create, it's an easy moment to press through, it's an easy moment to do these things. And I understand that. I, understand, I don't really take with the criticism that it's an easy moment to create and it's not necessarily representative of the character. But at the same time, I think that the importance here is that the character that we are looking at... What other movie has a female, uh, like a female character, like have these kind of moments? What other movie creates this sort of thing? And I think that's one of the things is that Wonder Woman is such a symbol of female power, and this is kind of a reinterpretation of it, a, rec- a reclaiming for me of some classical male moments where she literally dives on in and saves Batman, which kind of flips the script on that that kind of relationship that they have. You know, classically. You know, you have some weird, you know, stints in the, unfortunately, because, you know, Wonder, it's the DC universe and they do weird ass things. Wonder Woman's essentially slept with the majority of, like, DC Marvel characters at one time or another, i.e. Superman or Batman. But to see Superman, I mean, specifically Batman and Wonder Woman develop a relationship where she is clearly the more dominant female power and has more power within the relationship and kind of embodies him, again, this is being Batman, as more of a damsel in distress character, creates a powerful moment. And back to the existing music, while it is janky and has that kind of that classical action hero kind of cliche, recontextualizing it in the context of a female heroine saving a male hero and kind of saying, hey, women, and this is the 20th fucking century and we have awesome fucking female characters and I think that's for me the power of that moment and the specifically the reason that that riff comes off the way it is one of the things I love about anime and kind of the other things is that there's a certain level of equality between certain subtext of people so for instance you'll have like when you go in into uh, like you'll have harem anime and it's disgusting you know it is disgusting it's, it depends on how you look at it but you'll also have you know disgusting reverse harem anime where you have like a like the central core character is a girl and there's all these guys hanging on her there's a certain level of equality among like essentially like the pornographic material of the universe or, well not the universe but of the genre and i think that's the thing is like watching us have cliched female action hero moments kind of allows me as as a guy to like be less ashamed of our own cliched male action hero moments in the universe and it's kind of something i want to see more of so 
for that reason, I don't think the janky guitars and the Wonder Woman theme are bad. So, yeah. Okay, cool. For the Tuscan Shed Media Network, this has been Jack Newman. You guys can go now. Go. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor yeah. Flynn. Bye, everybody. Ben. Yeah, what? They said Ben Howard. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's been Ben, Trevor, Jenna, and Peter. Let me just do it, you mumps. Um, you didn't tell us you're doing it again. Goodbye. I haven't been on here in months. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. It was wonderful joining you people. <laughs> Good to have you, back, to have on, you Jenna. back, Jenna. Yeah, seriously. So glad. <laughs> If you want to hear more from this cast, head on over to the Tuscan Shed Media Network. That's TuscanShed.com, where you can see such things as Animania, Geek Space Nine, Feast for Bros, and of course, Save Point Gamecast, all our associated podcasts, as well as heading on over to our blog to see our written material and work. Please head on over there. Go to Patreon.com. Support us. Go see all the things. Tell your local, I don't know, people that want to, you know, advertise on the show that they should come do that and keep us on there. <laughs> please, please, please. Also, head on out over to Twitter and send us some questions if you'd like us to answer them on air. We love to know that people listen to the show. So send us some love. We love you back. Thanks. Oh. <sighs>